Part two, chapter seven of the idiot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. Part two, chapter seven. the young fellow accompanying the general was about twenty-eight tall and well-built with a handsome and clever face and bright black eyes full of fun and intelligence aglaya did not so much as glance at the new arrivals but went on with her recitation gazing at the prince the while in an affected manner and at him alone it was clear to him that she was doing all this with some special object but the new guests at least somewhat eased his strained and uncomfortable position seeing them approaching he rose from his chair and nodding amicably to the general signed to him not to interrupt the recitation he then got behind his chair and stood there with his left hand resting on the back of it thanks to this change of position he was able to listen to the ballad with far less embarrassment than before mrs yepanchin had also twice motioned to the new arrivals to be quiet and stay where they were the prince was much interested in the young man who had just entered he easily concluded that this was yevgeny pavlovitch radomsky of whom he had already heard mention several times he was puzzled however by the young man's plain clothes for he had always heard of yevgeny pavlovitch as a military man an ironical smile played on yevgeny's lips all the while the recitation was proceeding which showed that he too was probably in the secret of the poor knight joke but it had become quite a different matter with aglaya all the affectation of manner which she had displayed at the beginning disappeared as the ballad proceeded she spoke the lines in so serious and exalted a manner and with so much taste that she even seemed to justify the exaggerated solemnity with which she had stepped forward it was impossible to discern in her now anything but a deep feeling for the spirit of the poem which she had undertaken to interpret her eyes were aglow with inspiration and a slight tremor of rapture passed over her lovely features once or twice she continued to recite once there came a vision glorious mystic dreadful wondrous fair burned itself into his spirit and abode for ever there never more from that sweet moment gazed he on womankind he was dumb to love and wooing and to all their graces blind full of love for that sweet vision brave and pure he took the field with his blood he stained the letters n p b upon his shield lumen celi sancta rosa 
shouting on the foe he fell and like thunder rang his war-cry or the cowering infidel then within his distant castle home returned he dreamed his days silent sad and when death took him he was mad the legend says when recalling all this afterwards the prince could not for the life of him understand how to reconcile the beautiful sincere pure nature of the girl with the irony of this jest that it was a jest there was no doubt whatever he knew that well enough and had good reason too for his conviction for during her recitation of the ballad aglaya had deliberately changed the letters a n b into n p b he was quite sure she had not done this by accident and that his ears had not deceived him at all events her performance which was a joke of course if rather a crude one was premeditated they had evidently talked and laughed over the poor knight for more than a month yet aglaya had brought out these letters n p b not only without the slightest appearance of irony or even any particular accentuation but with so even and unbroken an appearance of seriousness that assuredly any one might have supposed that these initials were the original ones written in the ballad the thing made an uncomfortable impression upon the prince of course mrs epanchin saw nothing either in the change of initials or in the insinuation embodied therein general epanchin only knew that there was a recitation of verses going on and took no further interest in the matter of the rest of the audience many had understood the allusion and wondered both at the daring of the lady and at the motive underlying it but tried to show no sign of their feelings but yevgeny pavlovitch as the prince was ready to wager both comprehended and tried his best to show that he comprehended his smile was too mocking to leave any doubt on that point how beautiful that is cried mrs epanchin with sincere admiration whose is it pushkin's mamma of course don't disgrace us all by showing your ignorance said adelaida as soon as we reach home give it to me to read i don't think we have a copy of pushkin in the house there are a couple of torn volumes somewhere they have been lying about from time immemorial added alexandra send fyodor or alexey up by the very first train to buy a copy then aglaya come here kiss me dear you recited beautifully but she added in a whisper if you were sincere i am sorry for you if it was a joke i do not approve of the feelings which prompted you to do it and in any case you would have done far better not to recite it at all do you understand now come along young woman we've sat here too long i'll speak to you about this another time 
meanwhile the prince took the opportunity of greeting general epanchin and the general introduced Yevgeny pavlovitch to him i caught him up on the way to your house explained the general he had heard that we were all here yes and i heard that you were here too added Yevgeny pavlovitch and since i had long promised myself the pleasure of seeking not only your acquaintance but your friendship i did not wish to waste time but came straight on i am sorry to hear that you are unwell oh but i am quite well now thank you and very glad to make your acquaintance prince s has often spoken to me about you said muishkin and for an instant the two men looked intently into one another's eyes the prince remarked that Yevgeny pavlovitch's plain clothes had evidently made a great impression upon the company present so much so that all other interests seemed to be effaced before this surprising fact his change of dress was evidently a matter of some importance adelaida and alexandra poured out a stream of questions prince s a relative of the young man appeared annoyed and ivan fyodorovitch quite excited aglaya alone was not interested she merely looked closely at Yevgeny for a minute curious perhaps as to whether civil or military clothes became him best then turned away and paid no more attention to him or his costume lizaveta prokofievna asked no questions but it was clear that she was uneasy and the prince fancied that Yevgeny was not in her good graces he has astonished me said ivan fyodorovitch i nearly fell down with surprise i could hardly believe my eyes when i met him in petersburg just now why this haste that's what i want to know he has always said himself that there is no need to break windows Yevgeny pavlovitch remarked here that he had spoken of his intention of leaving the service long ago he had however always made more or less of a joke about it so no one had taken him seriously for that matter he joked about everything and his friends never knew what to believe especially if he did not wish them to understand him i have only retired for a time said he laughing for a few months at most for a year but there is no necessity for you to retire at all complained the general as far as i know i want to go and look after my country estates you advised me to do that yourself was the reply and then i wish to go abroad after a few more expostulations the conversation drifted into other channels but the prince who had been an attentive listener thought all this excitement about so small a matter very curious there must be more in it than appears he said to himself i see the poor knight has come on the scene again said Yevgeny pavlovitch stepping to aglaya's side to the amazement of the prince who overheard the remark 
aglaya looked haughtily and inquiringly at the questioner as though she would give him to know once for all that there could be no talk between them about the poor knight and that she did not understand his question but not now it is too late to send to town for a pushkin now it is much too late i say kolya was exclaiming in a loud voice i have told you so at least a hundred times yes it is really much too late to send to town now said evgeny pavlovitch who had escaped from aglaya as rapidly as possible i am sure the shops are shut in petersburg it is past eight o'clock he added looking at his watch we have done without him so far interrupted adelaida in her turn surely we can wait until to-morrow besides said kolya it is quite unusual almost improper for people in our position to take any interest in literature ask evgeny pavlovitch if i am not right it is much more fashionable to drive a wagonette with red wheels you got that from some magazine kolya remarked adelaida he gets most of his conversation in that way laughed evgeny pavlovitch he borrows whole phrases from the reviews i have long had the pleasure of knowing both nikolai ardalionovitch and his conversational methods but this time he was not repeating something he had read he was alluding no doubt to my yellow wagonette which has or had red wheels but i have exchanged it so you are rather behind the times kolya the prince had been listening attentively to radomsky's words and thought his manner very pleasant when kolya chaffed him about his wagonette he had replied with perfect equality and in a friendly fashion this pleased muishkin at this moment vera came up to lizaveta prokofievna carrying several large and beautifully bound books apparently quite new what is it demanded the lady this is pushkin replied the girl papa told me to offer it to you what impossible exclaimed mrs epanchin not as a present not as a present i should not have taken the liberty said lebedeff appearing suddenly from behind his daughter it is our own pushkin our family copy annenkoff's edition it could not be bought now i beg to suggest with great respect that your excellency should buy it and thus quench the noble literary thirst which is consuming you at this moment he concluded grandiloquently oh if you will sell it very good and thank you you shall not be a loser but for goodness sake don't twist about like that sir i have heard of you they tell me you are a very learned person we must have a talk one of these days you will bring me the books yourself with the greatest respect and, and veneration replied lebedeff making extraordinary grimaces well bring them with or without respect provided always you do not drop them on the way 
but on the condition went on the lady looking full at him that you do not cross my threshold i do not intend to receive you to-day you may send your daughter vera at once if you like i am much pleased with her why don't you tell him about them said vera impatiently to her father they will come in whether you announce them or not and they are beginning to make a row lyof nikolaevitch she addressed herself to the prince four men are here asking for you they have waited some time and are beginning to make a fuss and papa will not bring them in who are these people said the prince they say they have come on business and they are the kind of men who if you do not see them here will follow you about the street it would be better to receive them and then you will get rid of them gavrila ardalionovitch and ptitsin are both there trying to make them hear reason pavlicheff's son it is not worth while cried lebedeff there is no necessity to see them and it would be most unpleasant for your excellency they do not deserve what pavlicheff's son cried the prince much perturbed i know i know but i entrusted this matter to gavrila ardalionovitch he told me at that moment gania accompanied by ptitsin came out to the terrace from an adjoining room came a noise of angry voices and general ivolgin in loud tones seemed to be trying to shout them down kolya rushed off at once to investigate the cause of the uproar this is most interesting observed yevgeny pavlovitch i expect he knows all about it thought the prince what the son of pavlicheff and who may this son of pavlicheff be asked general epanchin with surprise and looking curiously around him he discovered that he alone had no clue to the mystery expectation and suspense were on every face with the exception of that of the prince who stood gravely wondering how an affair so entirely personal could have awakened such lively and widespread interest in so short a time aglaya went up to him with a peculiarly serious look it will be well she said if you put an end to this affair yourself at once but you must allow us to be your witnesses they want to throw mud at you prince and you must be triumphantly vindicated i give you joy beforehand and i also wish for justice to be done once for all cried madame epanchin about this impudent claim deal with them promptly prince and don't spare them i am sick of hearing about the affair and many a quarrel i have had in your cause but i confess i am anxious to see what happens so do make them come out here and we will remain you have heard people talking about it no doubt she added turning to prince s of course said he i have heard it spoken about at your house and i am anxious to see these young men 
they are nihilists are they not no they are not nihilists explained lebedeff who seemed much excited this is another lot a special group according to my nephew they are more advanced even than the nihilists you are quite wrong excellency if you think that your presence will intimidate them nothing intimidates them educated men learned men even are to be found among nihilists these go further in that they are men of action the movement is properly speaking a derivative from nihilism though they are only known indirectly and by hearsay for they never advertise their doings in the papers they go straight to the point for them it is not a question of showing that pushkin is stupid or that russia must be torn in pieces no but if they have a great desire for anything they believe they have a right to get it even at the cost of the lives say of eight persons they are checked by no obstacles in fact prince i should not advise you but muishkin had risen and was on his way to open the door for his visitors you are slandering them lebedeff said he smiling you are always thinking about your nephew's conduct don't believe him lizaveta prokofievna i can assure you gorsky and danilov are exceptions and that these are only mistaken however i do not care about receiving them here in public excuse me lizaveta prokofievna they are coming and you can see them and then i will take them away please come in gentlemen another thought tormented him he wondered was this an arranged business arranged to happen when he had guests in his house and in anticipation of his humiliation rather than of his triumph but he reproached himself bitterly for such a thought and felt as if he should die of shame if it were discovered when his new visitors appeared he was quite ready to believe himself infinitely less to be respected than any of them four persons entered led by general ivolgin in a state of great excitement and talking eloquently he is for me undoubtedly thought the prince with a smile kolya had also joined the party and was talking with animation to hippolyte who listened with a jeering smile on his lips the prince begged the visitors to sit down they were all so young that it made the proceedings seem even more extraordinary ivan fyodorovitch who really understood nothing of what was going on felt indignant at the sight of these youths and would have interfered in some way had it not been for the extreme interest shown by his wife in the affair he therefore remained partly through curiosity partly through good nature hoping that his presence might be of some use but the bow with which general ivolgin greeted him irritated him anew he frowned and decided to be absolutely silent as to the rest one was a man of thirty 
the retired officer now a boxer who had been with rogozhin and in his happier days had given fifteen roubles at a time to beggars evidently he had joined the others as a comrade to give them moral and if necessary material support the man who had been spoken of as pavlicheff's son although he gave the name of antip burdovsky was about twenty-two years of age fair thin and rather tall he was remarkable for the poverty not to say uncleanliness of his personal appearance the sleeves of his overcoat were greasy his dirty waistcoat buttoned up to his neck showed not a trace of linen a filthy black silk scarf twisted till it resembled a cord was round his neck and his hands were unwashed he looked round with an air of insolent effrontery his face covered with pimples was neither thoughtful nor even contemptuous it wore an expression of complacent satisfaction in demanding his rights and in being an aggrieved party his voice trembled and he spoke so fast and with such stammerings that he might have been taken for a foreigner though the purest russian blood ran in his veins lebedeff's nephew whom the reader has seen already accompanied him and also the youth named hippolyte terentieff the latter was only seventeen or eighteen he had an intelligent face though it was usually irritated and fretful in expression his skeleton-like figure his ghastly complexion the brightness of his eyes and the red spots of colour on his cheek betrayed the victim of consumption to the most casual glance he coughed persistently and panted for breath it looked as though he had but a few weeks more to live he was nearly dead with fatigue and fell rather than sat into a chair the rest bowed as they came in and being more or less abashed put on an air of extreme self-assurance in short their attitude was not that which one would have expected in men who professed to despise all trivialities all foolish mundane conventions and indeed everything except their own personal interests uh, antip burdovsky stuttered the son of pavlicheff vladimir doktorenko said lebedeff's nephew briskly and with a certain pride as if he boasted of his name keller murmured the retired officer hippolyte terentieff cried the last named in a shrill voice they sat now in a row facing the prince and frowned and played with their caps all appeared ready to speak and yet all were silent the defiant expression on their faces seemed to say no sir you don't take us in it could be felt that the first words spoken by any one present would bring a torrent of speech from the whole deputation end of part two chapter seven 
Recording by Martin Geeson in Hazelmere, Surrey.